The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. How y'all doing this morning? Um, so before I even uh, give y'all a taste of what you can expect at the open mic, I want to thank uh, Pastor Andy for this opportunity. So we're excited to uh, announce the open mic we're going to be doing on Fridays. It's going to be Friday at 7 p.m. And this is a taste of what you guys can expect. Um, this poem is called, What is Life? Life is a journey, not a destination. Filled with a lot of questions like an examination. Life is a race. And when you're born, the whistle blew. The question now is, where are you running to? Some people are running after things that cannot be caught. Some people are trying to buy the things that cannot be bought. Some people are running after power, a position, while others are running after love, a recognition. So many things people chasing after. But don't become a slave or it will be your master. Like how some live to work while others work to live. So many want to receive, but not many want to give. And some live in the moment, others live in the past. But the future's coming pretty fast. And some would say it's all about family, happiness, and friends. But do you know where you go when your story ends? My brothers and sisters, you are so much more. So much more than the things that you chase. So much more than the trials that you face. So much more than the situations that come your way. So much more than the words that other people say. See, you were bigger than your mistakes if you only knew. You were bigger than all these things that you have been through. And there is so much more in life than what you and I see. So much more in life that we were meant to be. That's why I have a different definition. I like to see things with spiritual intuition. So I'm chasing things that last, not the things that come to pass. I'm focused on the future amongst the heavenly class. And if life is a test, my only option is to pass. But I have a lot of questions. That's the reason why I ask, who am I? And why was I made? See, God made me realize a price was paid. And this price was paid for you and for me. I never knew that I was blind until the day that I could see. See, I heard about the one called Jesus. How he bled and died and rose again and came to save us. And free us from sin and reconnect us to him. So now I win. Because I'm born again in his kingdom. We all need him because he gives freedom, victory, peace, salvation, joy, and so much more. That's why he's the only one that's worth living for. So come to the Round Rock Beat on Friday, and you can hear a lot more. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Mandela. It only took about a week of me training him and teaching him to get that down. So good. Uh, but he was a support. He worked on it with me, and we got it down. So uh, what a gift, huh? What a gift. And so, you know, or you can come Friday night, and here's the thing, you can come, and it's for everybody, it's open mic, so if you've got a skill, an ability, something God's put in you, come share it. Now, you may not be that good, that's okay, come share it, right? Come share it and come do it. We're not going to have a gong show and be pulling people off with the old, uh, you know, the old hook and just yanking them off, so come and use the gift, because if God's put a gift in you, the way it, the way it grows is by actually using it, doing it. Take it and do it, and you get better and better at it. And God will use that. 
Uh, let's pray, and we're going to jump in the Word, and uh, it's going to be a good, a good message with the challenge at the end for us to get involved and get engaged in. So, Father, thank you for uh, this time together. Lord, thank you that God, every time we show up, you're here. I pray as we get into your Word, you help us to uh, take it in in a way, Lord, that we can apply it, Lord, to our lives and actually live it out. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, you know, sometimes you hear things, and you keep hearing it from people, and you, it never registers. You never quite get it down until finally just the right person in the right way tells you, and all of a sudden it, like, clicks. It's like, oh, oh, I got it. I, I, I guess I do need to look at that, and it's true. So that happened for me this week. I went to uh, dinner with my wife and my daughter and her new husband, and we were out. We left there to go to their house so I could go see it all set up and all done and how great it looked, and we get in the car, and we're driving, and I don't know the way, and I don't know the turn, so I'm going fast, and I'm making turns, and I'm making them at the last second, and all of a sudden, Courtney's nodding. She's like, I've ridden with you before. I know this, uh, but we're driving, and all of a sudden, I hear out of the seat behind me, be careful, and I'm like, and I'm driving, I'm like, what is that? And I hear it again, like, I go to make another sudden, like, slow down really fast and make a turn, I, be careful. <laughs> and turn around, and literally, our two-year-old, Kira, is in the back seat going, be careful. <laughs> because she knows when, she, when I take her on walks and she starts running too fast or doing something too fast and she's going to fall, I'll just go, hey, be careful. And then she'll, like, catch her thing and slow down. But she could feel that I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> And she's just shouting, and I'm all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, I thought this whole time it was just my wife that just couldn't handle my driving, but, and Courtney. I thought it was just adult women that couldn't handle my driving, but I'm realizing maybe I need to be careful, right? Maybe I just need to slow it down and do that, and sometimes we just need to hear things a bunch of times in a bunch of different ways to help us to engage it. And so this message today is about loving our neighbors, and I know we hear that, right? But if I went around and pulled the room and said, how many of you... How many of you that are here actually know your neighbors? The stat would probably be pretty low. They actually even know the person that's across the street or, or down the street. Um, but this was a big thing that Jesus called us to do to really live out our life. And we're going to go to Mark 12, 28. And this says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating and noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, now, what, did, what were they debating? Let me just stop there for a second. I don't have all this up on the screen, but here's the things they were debating. They were debating whether or not they should pay taxes. That's what was going on before this. There was a big debate. So everybody's sitting around at, you know, at the diner at McDonald's or wherever, sitting around talking about, oh, you know, taxes are too high. Should we pay taxes? Having those normal kind of discussions, right, about government, politics, and all those kinds of things and going about it. The other thing they were talking about, which was highly important, I mean, you cannot get through your life without really discussing this and nailing down the reality and truth of this was, if you were married once, and then your spouse passed away or something happened, and then you got married again, who would you be married to in heaven? And this was like a consuming discussion going on. Like, who's going to be their wife or who's going to be their husband when they actually get to heaven? Like, what's going on up there? Because there's not enough things going on in this world right now that would occupy our time or our energy that we really need to actually just think about what's marriage going to be like when we get into heaven? Is it going to be my spouse that died or the one new one that I married? Like, what's going on? I need to nail this down. I mean, who's going to decorate my heavenly mansion? Is it my minimalist wife or is it going to be the hoarder? I need to know before I get there. 
right? Or for the wives, the husbands, is it the one that can actually fix stuff? Or am I still going to be married to Andy when I get up there? I don't know what's happening. <laughs> right? So this is what's going on. There's this, these discussions that in the scheme of actual real life, they really didn't matter that much. They weren't that big of a deal. But this is where people's minds consumed on. Now, why do we oftentimes find people consumed in discussion on topics that really don't have that much personal application? Because it's easier to live in our head, right, than it is to actually live through our heart where God wants us to be loving and serving people. It's easier to get caught up in these thoughts and discussions on things that, well, I don't really have to apply them. I can just discuss them. And that's where we tend to live. So that, that's what was going on. And then enter Jesus. And they ask him questions on those. He answers them. And then, you know, he kind of humors them, gives them answers. And then after that, they said, noticing that he had given them a good answer. You ever prayed to God and then been like, wrong answer. <laughs> that's not what I was looking for. I actually had a different plan, and I, I know that's what you said, and the wrong answer. Like, I'm praying about that person that offended me, and you're like, forgive them, bless them, go do something nice for them. Like, wrong answer. I'm actually going to call them. I'm, I'm in the middle of blasting off a text right now with all kinds of emojis in it. <laughs> like, I'm posting about them right now on Facebook, and oh, yes, I'm tagging them too, right? And, and he's like, no, forgive them and stop. And you're like, Neh. I'll ask forgiveness later, but I'm pushing send right now. That's what we do a lot of times, but here they go to Jesus, and they say, okay, your, your answer is acceptable, so we'll ask you another question. Of all the commandments, which is the most important? So in order to understand what comes next, let's look at what the Ten Commandments are, because there's no way to really understand his answer without first looking at these commandments. So first of all, you shall have no other gods before me. God said, you know what? Don't have anything else in your life that's more important, that's more controlling, that you listen to more, that you serve more, that you give more glory or honor to than me, right? I'm first, right? So that would include everything. You know, gods aren't just, you know, an idol that somebody creates and makes and goes, oh, this is it. Gods can be work. You know, oh, man, work is the most important thing. I put all my time in there. You know, I, I had it. When I was in real estate years ago, I was working my tail off all these hours. It was actually during the collapse in like 07, 08. I mean, you couldn't even, you could not make a living. It was crazy. I mean, houses were like, well, now we're going the opposite direction. Houses did bottomed out. One week you go and somebody's house is worth 500000 They've got retirement money in it. And the, they call you to sell it. You come. And literally just a few weeks ago, it was worth 500000 Now you're sitting down with them and you're like, your house is worth, you know, 300000 Their retirement's gone. Their savings are gone. Everything's gone. I would sit at the tables with people and they would just cry because their whole plan of their life just changed. And they owed, they owed three hundred fifty. dollars So now they can't even sell. And this was all the stuff that's going on. So I just worked and worked and worked and worked to try to make a living. So I would come home a lot of times at 8 or 9 at night, you know, 10 at night. I would sleep sometimes, just fall asleep at the office. And I remember one time specifically, I come home and I walk in the door and the whole table set really nice. And there's cold dinner on the stove. And there's like a fancy, like really nice dinner table set up. And I remembered that... Carrie and the kids had planned, I had promised I'll be home for dinner, and they had planned that we were going to have this nice dinner together. And I walk in, and I'm like, yeah, I blew that. And it was an awakening call for me. I looked at it, and I'm like, I'm really serving the job. And not only am I serving the job, but I'm trusting that my work and that the job's what's going to take care of me. And that's a part of, of God, is you, it's putting your trust in him that he will take care of you, that he will supply all your needs, the Bible says, according to his riches and glory, right? So we can put work in, but not make it God, not make it where he put our trust, not make it the most important thing. So he's talking about all that. Then he says, don't make any other idols. Now, here's the context of that. That is not just don't make an idol to worship of 
some other God. If you read the whole commandment and you read it in context, what he's talking about is to not even fashion any kind of a God for yourself, including him. Because the other nations, what they would do is that they would fashion their God. This is my God that helps me with my crops and my harvest. This is my God that helps me with this. And they would fashion a God that fit their need. And then they would do things for that God because it met a specific need. And he was telling them, the Israelites, the first people that he revealed himself to, he was saying, do you know what? Don't fashion me. That's not who I am. I fashion you. That's how this is going to work. And so he wanted to be a God that wasn't turned into some statue. He wasn't turned into some kind of carving or some type of painting or, or some type of, of thing that they formed out of gold or metal to worship. He's like, don't fashion me. I'll fashion you. Just serve me and follow me. But we can't see you. Like, we don't know what you're going to do. And he addressed that, and he said, you know what? I am who I am. Like, I am the one. I am the great I am. I'm the one that's, that meets all the needs and takes care of everything. Just follow me. And there's some unknown and mystery about who God is and what he'll reveal. But he didn't want us defining him and trying to make him into what we needed. He wanted us to follow him and allow him to work in our own lives. So that was a commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. In other words, keep my name serious. Keep my name holy, right? Don't just use it for whatever you want. Don't throw it out there, you know, in cussing. Don't throw it out there and uh, just throw it. Here's another way we take it in vain. We take our own idea and we just slap God on it. I had a lot, of, a lot of people tell me, oh, God told me to do this. I've been praying and God told me. And I can look at it, and it's obvious that that's not something God told them to do. It's obvious. It doesn't take rocket science. And there's 10 scriptures and 10, 10 Bible verses that would say this isn't God. But as soon as they throw, well, God told me, there's no counsel. There's no ability to speak to him. There's no ability to bring anything in because they put up a wall that says, no, God told me. That's taking God's name in vain because we're taking it and using it Rather than allowing him to actually be in charge, we're just using it to, to rubber stamp our own plans. And so to actually put God's name where it belongs in holiness is to go to him and say, how do you want things done? And to look in his word for that and to follow him. So that's another way. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Well, what's the Sabbath day? Well, the Sabbath day is a day of rest. You know, and it comes all the way back in Genesis. God made the heavens and the earth, the Bible says, in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. So even God set this standard of rest. Now, Jesus reveals in his teaching that the Sabbath day was actually made for us, not us made for the Sabbath. In other words, God gave it to us as a gift to say, you know what, you don't have to work and grind and hustle seven days a week. I will give you a day where you can take off and rest, and I will bless you. And when you rest, remember me. Remember me why? Well, because I'm the God that gives you rest. You know, the Bible says in vain, they rise up early and go to bed late and eat the bread of anxious toil, for God gives rest to all of those that he loves. And so we get in this striving thing, like, I have to work, I have to work, I have to do more time, I have to do this, I have to be busy. And God says, hold on, trust me, take rest, and I'll bless you. Well, I can't because there won't be enough. I can't because I can't get it all done. Trust me, and I'll help you. Trust me, and I'll bless you. I'll bless your family. I'll bless your time. I'll bless your your energy and your resources, if you'll just trust me, take that time off. Take that time and rest. And that doesn't just mean, well, okay, I hit church in the morning, I did my Sabbath, I'm done. What he's really asking for and what he's promising to bless is a day of rest, to remember him. It doesn't mean you have to be super spiritual and spend the whole day locked up in a room listening to, you know, just Jesus music all day. Okay, well, it's a Sabbath. Well, did you do anything? Yeah, I sat in my room and I just listened to Jesus music with my eyes closed. Hey, you can do that. 
But that's not just what it's talking about. What it's talking about is as you go about that day of rest and that day of joy and that day of being with your family and that day of just spending time, just doing the things that God's made you to enjoy, remember that he's the one that blessed you with it. God, thank you. You know what? We're going to the lake. It's going to be a great time. Thank you, Lord. I have a day of rest, and I know you can provide for me even while I'm swimming because you gave me this gift. You blessed me with it. It's just a remembrance of where it comes from is the Sabbath. And he says, honor your father and mother. And the Bible says this is the first commandment with a blessing. This is a blessing that God gives. And he says, it'll go well with you and you'll live a long life. That's the secret. So guess what? You don't have to exercise. You don't have to eat good food. You, don't have to eat. you can just honor your father and mother. You're going to get old and happy. Right? Isn't that good? That's perfect. But you know what? It does add, even in a practical sense, it adds blessing there. And let me tell you, if you have parents that were not worth honoring, can I just tell you that this is still true? Because when you change your heart and you've come in a posture of saying, you know what, I don't know, Lord, they didn't treat me well, they abused me, they abandoned me, they hurt me, and all those things. But how do you honor? It doesn't mean you have to go spend a bunch of time with them all the time and try to do stuff. There's you know, boundaries that need to be there, things like that. But this forgiveness and giving them back to God is a way of honoring. And if you don't do that, what happens is you carry the bitterness and the hurt of those past things, and they tear your life down, and the stress and the anxiety and the hurt, it leads to addiction, it leads to loneliness, isolation, it leads to all of these things, and oftentimes it leads to repeating the same activities with your kids. And then you're like, man, I never wanted to be like that, and here I am. But if you will let it go and give it to God and say, God, I honor them in the sense that you made them. You created them. You died for them. You love them. So I release them to you. I forgive them, Lord, and I pray over them. What happens is it removes that burden and that stress from your own life. And then what happens? Your stress changes. In a practical, actual, physiological sense, your, your body chemistry changes as you move into a place of peace with God and peace with them. And guess what? You begin to have a healthier life. You live longer. It goes well with you. Your life is more blessed. And so God's really giving us directions that aren't just rules, but these are things for better living and a better life. Speaking of better living, you shall not murder. That kind of like helps everybody, right? I mean, let's see a list of rules here. Uh, first of all, he shouldn't have had to make this rule, right? You know, it's like you got the kids. You know, I do kids class on Friday mornings with all the kids. You know, we have a little bit of rules or whatever. Hopefully, you know, the rules stick to, you know, hey, one helping a goldfish at a time, and, you know, don't grab somebody else's water and throw it on the ground, okay? Let's just have, let's treat each other well. Ho hopefully, we never have to go to this level. Okay, kids, let's sit down. No killing. Don't do that, okay? Don't do that. Well, we're God's kids, and yet God has to look down and say, okay, guys, here's the deal. I'm letting you have freedom of choice. I'm letting you live, but don't kill each other. Like, don't do that, but I'm mad. Don't do that. But they offended me, hurt my feelings. Don't do that. But I really like their shoes. Don't do that. Stop. And so he's giving directions. But these are the basic commandments, right? Pretty simple. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. But I like their spouse better than my... Stop. Don't do that. I mean, these are things that should be common sense. But the heart of greed and of lust and of all these things get in. And they're like, we start looking at things differently. We have a different... Uh, perspective than God and a mindset, we become very selfish and things that we look at in somebody else's life and say, oh yeah, you shouldn't do that. But then it gets in our own heart and we start to make excuses and sense for it. Well, you know, 
This is why it's okay for me. This is why I can do that. And so God's saying, don't do that. Don't steal. Don't take things. Well, I would never steal anybody's stuff. Don't steal their credit. Somebody else did something, you get credit for it, don't take that. Pass it on. Let them have their credit. Let them be the ones that get the honor for something that they did. You know, don't take that. Somebody else's dignity. Don't, don't steal their dignity by putting them down and hurting them and, and speaking bad against them. Maybe they're already struggling. Don't steal from them things that God is trying to give to them, not just physical items, but other things in their life. You know, maybe God's trying to restore their life and give them peace and give them joy, and things are changing. God's bringing them into a new place and who they are, but then somebody comes along and steals it by putting them down and just constantly reminding them of their past. Oh, yeah, you can't do that. Remember who you were. There's a lot of ways we can steal that aren't just in finances. They aren't just in money. It's, it's taking things from people that we have no right to take. And so God's saying, don't do that. Don't bear false witness against your neighbor. But here's a good rule of thumb. Just don't talk bad about your neighbor. If you get called into court or you get called into something else, tell the truth. But outside of that, don't bear false witness because sometimes what you even believe to be true about them is not true. It's true in your mind. But you don't know everything going on in their life. And so when you make that judgment against them and you're like, well, I'm not bearing false witness, this is true. And it's okay if I talk to somebody about it and say this because it's true. Well, God knows the heart. The Bible says a man looks on the outside, but God looks on the inside. Well, yeah, but I know that they should have done it this way, and I know they should have done it. Well, I guess you do know that from what you can see, and it seems very true to you. But maybe through God's eyes and God's perspective of knowing everything else going on in their heart and in their family and in their other issues, maybe it's not true. Maybe they're doing the best they can. This story came up the other day. I remember, I probably shared it here before, but I just uh, somebody was talking about the other day when we were at an event that got brought back up was, my kids had their guinea pig, Kristen and Alicia. They had their guinea pig that, my, that we had bought them. My brother's visiting town. And he says, dude, go in the bedroom and check that out. I don't know if that should be happening with the guinea pig. And I'm like, what? And I walk in there, and they're grabbing that guinea pig and throwing it up as high as they can. And I don't just mean like a little ways. It was actually hitting the ceiling, boom, and then Hitting, boom, and then wiggling its way down, screaming. You ever heard a guinea pig scream? <laughs> boom, hits her. They weren't catching it. Boom. And then they'd run over, pick it back up, and throw it again. Boom. Bam. And I just lost my mind. I'm like, what are you guys doing? You can't do this. He loves it, Dad. He's laughing. Perspective. See, my judgment was, these kids need psychotherapy, and this is where they say it all starts. First, they start harming animals. <laughs> Next thing you know, CSI is like checking bodies out in the woods, and it was my kids. Like, I've got to stop this right now. But that's my judgment. I didn't know their heart, which was the love of the animal. And they're trying to just let it have some fun. We're going to throw it up. Oh, what a good time he's having. Do you see that he's bleeding? He seemed to like it, Dad. But in their mind, in their heart, they were trying to love it. In my mind, they were trying to kill it. And we were both right. Some things God has to sort out, right? And so our posture, right, in not bearing false witness is to first look, the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians 13, it says love believes the best, is that we first look at things and say, 
I know what I think that is, that is that's going on. But maybe there's more to it that I don't know or understand or see. And so, God, I just help me to see other options, other possibilities, what might be going on in their heart or in their mind, and pray for them, love them, don't bear false witness. You shall not covet, coveting other people's things. You know, that's something that is so easy to do. You know, you buy something new and you're excited about it and somebody else buys something just a little newer, just a little different. It's like, oh, shoot. And we get those feelings where we just covet and we want something else that somebody has. And it goes through a whole list there. I mean, he talks about don't covet their donkeys. Don't covet. You ever coveted a donkey? You're just driving down the road, you see that donkey, and you're like, man, that is a nice one. That's nicer than mine. I don't even know how to tell the difference between donkeys. But I suppose if you were in the donkey world, that it would be just as easy to tell the difference as it is like, you know, I buy a truck and it's really nice. Somebody else buys a truck that's the same year, but it's got a little better rims. Wow, nice truck. Truck in general. I'm driving a little Nissan Sentra. And guess what? My daughter gets it in just a couple weeks. It'll be gone. Huh? Every time I drive it, I'm like, don't wreck her car. Just try to keep it nice long enough to give it to her. So I'm driving that. You see a truck and you're like, that one's got better rims. That one's got, like maybe with donkeys, it's like that. Nice donkey, but that's got good hooves. That's a great donkey. Of all the donkeys, that's the best one. Why didn't I get that? God doesn't love me. God doesn't love me. My donkey has a little tail, not a big tail. I don't know. But this is what happens. We get into this whole thing of coveting, and we find the most random, crazy things to covet. Even us bald guys have a thing like this, right? We don't covet hair. We're way past that. We cover the roundness of another bald guy's head. It's like that guy has a head that's made for this. Like, if my head was more like Stasha's, I would be in heaven right now. It's tan, it's got a good color, it's perfectly round, like, mine's got a little dent on the side, it's very white, his absorbs the sun nicely, mine just freaks out and burns up, like God. It's a coveting happens so easy, right, and all these things. We're just, for some reason, we just do that. But God says, don't do that, stop. So these are the basic Ten Commandments. Right? So they're saying, God, what's the most important commandment of all the commandments? What's the most important? Well, first of all, who cares? I mean, really, who cares? Why do you want to know the most important one? So you can prioritize it and not really pay attention to the other ones? Okay, well, God, well, don't murder is the most important commandment. So I'm not going to do that. But he didn't say adultery was the most important. So hey, <laughs> free for all. He didn't say, don't steal. So I'm not murdering, but I can steal. That's good. Like, why are they even asking for a rating system? The only reason you ask for a rating system is because you're trying to look at where's the line that I can be in and still be okay. Right? You ever done that? It's like, I don't know what's the line between sinning, not sinning in this area. I'm just going to push up and see. God's just saying, this is the right way to live. I don't need to, to prioritize it. Just follow but anyways, they're people. So what do people do? You give them a list of rules, and then they say, okay, let's define this so I can figure out how to cheat, which is totally wrong unless you're playing a board game or a card game, in which case that's part of the game, so it's not really cheating. Praise God. It's a game. Part of the game is gamesmanship, Silas. Part of the game is gamesmanship. I just say I bought, we bought, uh, there's actually a game now called Cheaters Monopoly. And we bought that, and there are no rules, literally. And I still got accused of cheating. I don't know how that works, which just proves it's everybody else's problem. 
not mine. Carrie threw it away because it turned into a riot. Uh, just a, a riot. It just got wild. So anyway, games are different, I think, in heaven, in God's paradigm, but don't cheat. Mark 12, 29, Jesus answers this question. And he says, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So first he defines, I am God, I'm one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and with all of your mind and all of your strength. So that's commandment number one, right? Why? Because that commandment sums up the whole first part of the commandments. It says, you know what? If you love me, if you make me as God, you don't try to form me into your image, you don't do these things, you just love me, right? Now I'm gonna lead you and guide you in your life, right? We're gonna have this relationship. So that's the first step. He's like, just love, like really love me. Really care for me. I made you. I know how this works. I'm going to help you. So that's the first thing that he did. And here's how that lays out. He says, you shall have no other gods before you, before me. You shall not make idols. You shall not take my name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Okay, so those are the things that he has said. Okay, those sum up in this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Then he goes to number two. So the second one is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandment than these. Okay? The order of those is important because God is the one that sets a definition of morality. He sets a definition of right and wrong. He's the one who defined it's not okay to steal. It's not okay to abuse people. It's not okay. He made life, and so he defined the value and the reality of life because he made it. You know, when you invent something or make something, guess what? You design and you decide how it works. If you write a book, you're the one that writes the narrative, right? When something's made by you, when Nicole bakes, it's her recipe, right? That's how it works. You made it. It's yours. You designed it. So if somebody comes in and makes it differently, right? Hey, I'm making your recipe. Okay. And I'm putting five cups of vinegar in there. Hey, that's not my recipe. Well, but I can do it however I want. Well, you can do it however you want, but if you put five cups of vinegar, guess what? It's not my recipe. And so God said, this is my recipe for life. This is how I do it and how I want it done. And if we want to live it out God's way, we have to do it his way. Otherwise, we're stepping out of the context that he made it for. So that's why the first important thing is to love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength, is because it takes us into a place where we're defining life, defining values, defining relationships, defining everything by the one who actually made it. So that's where we start. Now we move into the second commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandment than these. This is it. And so he goes through those. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. Don't commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. And don't covet. Which we talked about. But see how they separate. There's the first part of these commandments really deal with God. The rest of them deal with, with man and with people. So then they go on. Because the teacher, of course, wants to you know, dig into this. He says, well said, teacher. Good job. That's the same answer I would have had. I knew that already. How many of you know this already? Oh, love your neighbor. I know that. Good answer. Good answer, Jesus. Good word, pastor. That's great. We knew that. Right? God's not interested in what we know. He's interested in what we do. Right? Because the Bible says not to be just hearers of the word, but doers. Right? So he's interested in us doing it. And that's where he wants us to live. So well said, teacher. The man replied, you're right in saying that God is one and there's no other but him. To love him with all your heart, all your understanding, all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. 
The problem is that the guys that are saying this are putting more importance on their burnt offerings and sacrifices than they are on people. So somehow they're saying this, and yet they're rejecting people and pushing people away from the temple that are poor. They're not allowing them to come and to sacrifice because they don't have enough money to buy the sacrifices or to do things. So they're living one way, and yet in their head they're fully accepting the ideas. Oh, absolutely. This is totally true. We agree. Okay, well, are we going to do it? No. But we agree. So they have a head knowledge. They don't have a heart knowledge. And so if you look at this next one, the verse 34, when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, so he had wisdom, he had smarts, he understood. He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. You are not far from the kingdom of God. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say you are in the kingdom of God. You are walking in the kingdom of God. You have the kingdom of God. You're, you're living in the kingdom of God. He didn't say that. The guy knew the information, but Jesus' answer to him was, you're not far. You're close. You missed it, but you're close. And then nobody wanted to ask any more questions. We're out of here. Why? Because that answer deals with the heart, not the head. He said, you've got the mental knowledge but it hasn't gotten to your heart. You're near, but you're not in. You understand it, but you're not living it. It's not here. The Bible says guard our heart with all diligence because out of it spring the issues of life. When, when knowledge of God that he gives us moves from our head down into our heart, it begins to change the way we act, the way we live, the way we function. And we actually do things differently. The more that we are in tune with that, with where God wants us to be, which we get through, through prayer, we get through reading the word, we get through encouraging and building each other up and all these things. But the more that we actually get to that place of knowledge, not just in our head, but in our heart, we just begin to live it out. We begin to walk it through. We begin to actually want to be in relationship, in connection with people and do these things because God's moving in our heart. You know, I've told the story uh, before. Um, I don't know how many of you guys know that it's Josh, but the, looking at the this particular passage, it's actually brought up in another one of the Gospels with more detail. And one of, the, one of the Pharisees says, oh, well, who's our neighbor then? Like, this is a good answer, but who's our neighbor? And Jesus goes into the parable of the Good Samaritan, and there's a guy that gets beat up and robbed and laid out on the side of the road, and all these great people keep walking past him and leaving him because they're busy. And then one guy comes, it's a Samaritan who is outside of their racial connection, outside of their economic system, outside of everything. They weren't even worthy to be talked to. Comes along and sees the guy and helps him, spends his money to get him better, takes him to a doctor, does all these things. And Jesus says, who was the neighbor? All the people who were like him that walked by? Or was it the Samaritan that was not like him but stopped and served him? They said, well, it's the one that showed mercy. And he says, go and do likewise. And so there's this connection there. Well, I've told the story before that really I came, really came to the Lord. I mean, I grew up in the church, but I, I, I never really, uh, you know, I walked away from the Lord. I wasn't living for God. I, I didn't love Jesus. I wasn't wanting to do those things. I was angry, all that stuff. And I was a drunk and a lot of anger. And it was Josh, who's up here teaching our kids now, right above us, that saw that. And he actually leaned into the problem rather than away from it, you know, actually like stepped into it. And said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there. I'm going to go that direction. You know, we do that a lot in life. You know, Kira, our baby, if we're carrying her, and there's something that she likes or wants, and you turn her towards it, right, like Lori Hicks, she leans out with her hands and leans forward. You know, if you have ice cream, 
She's going to lean out. She loves that. But if it's something she doesn't want or doesn't like, you just turn her towards it, and what she does, leans back. <laughs> Gets as much space as she can between, you know, you, her, and whatever the problem is. She's going to push you back. No! In fact, I tried to give her bananas yesterday. I tried to hide them in her yogurt because she just wanted yogurt, yogurt, yogurt. And so I tried to put some bananas in there because you know what yogurt does, right? To a baby after a while? You know what bananas do, right? The opposite. So I'm just trying to balance. <laughs> so I was trying to sneak it. I cut the banana and I chop, 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 put it in the yogurt, and she saw me do it. And I bring it over. I sat down in front of her. No! No banana! And I'm like, yes, take it. And she literally pushed it back, got off the steps at the counter, and walks away going, no, no, like it was going to attack her, right? Like veggie tails gone wrong, right? Things after her. That's why it's veggie tails, not fruit tails. And this morning she ate one. Yesterday she wanted a banana. But she literally had to get distance, push away. Ah! Well, sometimes we do that. Sometimes the things that we care about that, that benefit us in some way we lean into and the things that we feel like don't, we just push away from. And God looks down as, a, as the Father, as, as, our, as our, you know, Heavenly Father, and looks at us and says, why are you leaning away from that? Like, I want you in this. Well, I'll help that person because in some way it benefits me, or I actually like their personality. Or whatever. And God says, well, help this one. And you're like, yeah, no. And God says, no, lean into it. I want you to serve there. But I don't like to do that, but I don't want to help with that. But I'm bit... No, and we pull away and we push, right? But God says, no, do it, lean into it. You know, teenagers don't have that problem. Teenagers will hang out with anybody. It doesn't matter if they like them, if they're annoying, nothing. Just, they just lean in. That's not true, is it? They push away. Hey, it's time to hang out. No! Hey, we're going to go, no! Right, we can get like that, but God wants us to lean in. The Samaritan did that. Well, Josh, when I was... A drunk and all that stuff, he's the one that actually threw me in the back of a car at 2, 3 in the morning and drove me to a pastor's house and says, hey, I got a drunk in here and this guy needs help. If he hadn't have done that, if he hadn't have leaned into the mess and into the, the situation rather than away from it, because what did it require? It required uncomfortability. It required courage. It required being willing to be a part of a process that wasn't going to be fun or clean. All these things, being up in the middle of the night to be the guy picking up and driving, if he wasn't willing to do that, if he had pushed away and walked by the situation, then we wouldn't be here today. And all these years later, and we've lived in different states since then, but all these years later, God brings it back and now we're serving together. Because God a lot of times has bigger things he wants to do that we, have, we can't even wrap our mind around. But that little, that, that, that thing, that momentary thing that God says, hey, lean into this and help your neighbor. Lean into this and serve. Lean into this and do this. And we do it. And we don't know what significance it will have and how much it will bring change, how much it will help somebody. And so those things are, are huge and important for us to do. So here's our assignment. This is what I want to have us do. And now if you have these, um, Kyle, you want to pass these out? Anybody doesn't have If you don't have one of these from the bulletin, Kyle's going to pass these out. I'll keep one so I can read it with everybody. Because I want to put some practical to this. I want to put some skin on the bones and have us get involved and do this together. I'm going to bring Nicole up here in just a second um, to share. Let me grab this mic real fast. Is that there's two different uh, types of neighbors that I want us to really press into. And I'm going to ask for commitment today. I'm going to ask for you to, to stand and show commitment here when I'm done. 
if it's something that you will say, yeah, I'm going to commit and do this. Because I don't want this to be a message. I want this to be an opportunity for us to really engage in what God is saying, what God's called us to do as believers. Uh, the first part of this challenge is to love bomb our neighbors. So pick a neighbor, any neighbor, doesn't have to be all of them, and go and do this week, not a year from now, this week, pick a neighbor and go do something for them that just puts love on them. You know, go mow their lawn, but don't do it in a way of saying, how come your lawn's always so gross? <laughs> I guess you never mow or edge, so I'm going to come and mow your lawn for the love of Jesus. Don't do that. But go help. Go do something. Drop off a potted plant on their porch with a handwritten card. Go knock on their door and invite them over for dinner. Say, hey, we've been across the street from you for a while, or we've been next door to you for a while, and the only time we talk is when we're yelling at each other to put the dogs away. But how about coming over for dinner? Make a connection. Drop off some baked goods with a card. A handwritten card that says, hey, I'm your neighbor and just wanted to bless you. Sit on their porch with a guitar and sing them a song as they come home from work. I've been watching you for like a year, and I know what time you come home. And I've been writing this song, and here we go. Ready? Neighbor. Right? Do that. Pick something that fits your personality and who you are and find a way to get across the street and connect with somebody that lives in your neighborhood that's your neighbor and just say, hey, I just want to, you don't have to turn it into a preaching session. Hey, I want you to come over for dinner. They walk in the door. You got a cross positioned by the door. You got sanitizer with a little pamphlet on holiness. This sanitizes your hands, but God sanitizes your heart. <laughs> right? You don't have to hit them the whole time. Just love them. Right? Just show some love to them. Show some care for them. Hey, I see you. Right? We're coming out of a year of isolation. It's been a huge thing emotionally and mentally for people. Extend a hand of love and care and say, hey, why don't you come over? Or, hey, I want to come over and mow your lawn. Hey, I wanted to wash your car. Hey, I wanted to look through your window and admire your decorations. What? I was like, don't do it. Okay, don't look through people's windows. Do something that you would feel is love. If it makes you uncomfortable, don't do it to them, okay? That, that's assignment number one, okay? So if you're here, say, you know, I'm going I'm to do that. I'm going to do that, Okay? then stand up. So I want a commitment here today. Stand up and say, I will do that. I want to know who's going to respond and do it. If you're not going to do it, don't stand up. Okay? So, you know, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go love a neighbor. Okay? And teenagers, you can do that too. We've got neighbors. You can walk over and say, hey, I want to wash your windows or, hey, I want to um, do something for you. I want to just do that. You can... Now, here's the thing. When you do that, look around, okay? Okay, see so who's here, Okay? This isn't hard to do because you can do it to fit your personality. Okay? But we believe that when God gives us instruction on how to live, that he wants something good to come out of that. Right? When we do that, who knows if you're reaching out and making that connection doesn't become a bridge that ends up bringing that person to Jesus, has an eternal significance. Or maybe you reach out, you have them over, and suddenly they start sharing with you about how they just lost a child or they lost somebody and you're able to comfort them and something good comes out of that. The connection that you make doesn't have to be intentionally spiritual. It is naturally spiritual because God works in us to reach others through his love. You don't have to overemphasize, over try, you just do. 
and God is with you. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the world. When we go into a place that doesn't have that, or we go into a place that needs that, guess what? It experiences that. It experiences the goodness of God because it's coming out of your life. It experiences the love of God. Sometimes as Christians, we take it for granted because we're around love, connection, community pretty regularly. Some people are not. You might be the only person that's ever invited them over for dinner in the last five, ten years. We've had that experience. We've invited people over for dinner or to come and just uh, have dessert or to do something or spend time with them, and it's been years since anyone has ever done that. You guys can be seated. Remember that you stood. Okay, that's not a commitment to me. Okay, that's a commitment that you're making here to something that Jesus is asking us to do, okay? So that means that it's your connection with him. You're saying, I'm going to do that this week. Is it comfortable? Does it take time? It's not necessarily comfortable, and yes, it takes time. If you leave something on their porch, right, leave a handwritten card or a note with it so that they know, hey, I'm your neighbor. This is from us. We just wanted to share some love with you guys. We know it's been a tough year. We wanted to share some love with you. And whatever note you want to leave there. Just make sure your handwriting is legible. So if you're with somebody and their handwriting is more legible, have them write it. So they know, like, somebody left hieroglyphics in a flower. I don't know what it means. It's a UFO. We don't want that. Uh, Nicole, you want to come up? I'm have Nicole come up and share about this second part, okay, which is what we're going to do as a church. So I'll have her share first, and then I'll wrap up, like, what that looks like as us doing as a church. And then we're going to pray over that and dismiss it. But um, we are going to have uh, opportunity to love our church neighbors, people in our church community. So go for it. Yep, you're ready. Okay, so, Just hold it up high. Okay, so I got a text um, this week from somebody regarding um, foster stuff, and she asked if we had enough teenager stuff for five girls who are currently staying in one of our CPS offices. I believe she said uh, in San Antonio, but we have a ton of them. Um, we also heard that we have 84 foster kids currently staying in CPS offices because we don't have enough foster homes. They lost over 600 beds, which means pretty much it's two bedrooms per household, but we've lost that many beds, and so all these kids are just displaced. They're taken from their families, and now they're staying in a foster CPS office, which they have no pillows, no blankets, the clothes they came with for the most part. So these five little girls were literally sharing clothes just so they could change outfits. So um, she asked if we had enough clothes, and thankfully I have plenty of teenager clothes. So I gave her um, as much as I could, and she said, well, she'll take more. So we gave her pillows that we had donated, and, um, but they, we didn't have other stuff that they needed, like feminine hygiene products, shampoos and conditioners, um, socks, underwear, bras, the whole nine yards that girls need. She also said there's another office in Houston that has six kids. She doesn't know if they're male or female or both. Um, they also need stuff. So if you guys want to donate, that's what this is for this week. They need home-cooked meals. They're literally eating stuff from the gas station every day or fast food, whatever the CPS workers can provide at that time. So if we can do anything like that, um, I have the connection with um, Alicia, and she will help get this to them as quickly as possible. We are not allowed to see them. We are not allowed to meet them. So she literally has to walk in, hand it to the CPS worker, and then they disperse it as they feel needed. But if we have the gift cards and the money, she will go purchase those items for those kids because those are personal so that that way um, they have their own new stuff because obviously we don't want something used like that. It's kind of gross. So anyways, that's the things that we need, and that's the need that's out there. So if you guys have anybody else that might want to be a foster parent or anything like that, if you can share that with somebody else, um, that would be really huge for these foster kids. Yeah, it's going to be huge. Thank you. Uh, some of them are local. Some of them are in San Antonio. Some are in Houston. But there's literally in Texas, there's so many that they're actually literally living inside the offices. 
Like they actually just live in the CPS office, sleep in there on the, on the chairs, couches, floors, and that's it. Like they don't have a place to go. And so some of them are local. There's 80, around 84 of them right now that just don't even have a place to be at all. And so what we're going to do as a church, because we are pretty heavily involved in foster with our foster closet and the giving. We have lots of families here that foster. You know, we've had adoptions here. You know, we've adopted. Is that the Bible says that God is the father of the fatherless, right? And the defender of widows, right? His heart is to take care of those in need. And so these are neighbors, because when Jesus tells the parable and they say, well, who's my neighbor? You know, he said, well, who's the one that took care of somebody that's in need and had mercy? So our chance of taking care of some people that are in need and having mercy on them is our chance to love on a neighbor as somebody that has a real need. So these orange sheets have the list of the types of things that we need. So this stuff, we just want to bring it next Sunday. And then we will take these things and get them to her. She actually came by the church yesterday, uh, was it Friday? And we talked to her for a little while Friday. Um, but they need these things. So I'm just going to read this list off to be uh, clear on it again. Gift cards or cash for necessities. Um, they'll take that and purchase some of the things that they need. Uh, home-cooked meals. Now, some of them are local, so if you want to cook a, a home-cooked meal and drop it off, then you just need to email us so we can coordinate the drop-off of that. Um, but they don't even have just regular food. Like, they're tired of eating taquitos, you know, from 7-Eleven. Like, they just want food. And so that's a, that's a comfort thing. Uh, new or very excellent condition blankets. Like, don't bring your blanket that was first your kids and then was your dogs and then you brought it because now it's not good for anybody. We don't want that. New or excellent condition pillows. Let's just say new pillows. I don't even know why I put excellent condition pillows. We don't want slobbered on pillows. Um, new pillows, uh, feminine hygiene products, um, shampoo conditioners, face wash, toothbrushes, toothpaste, underwear and socks for teens, uh, girls and boys, new on those, obviously. Uh, books for teens. If you have books, uh, then bring those. You know, books, they could be ad- adventure books, novels. They could be uh, good encouragement faith books. You know, whatever the case might be, something to do, something to put their mind on. They don't all sit around. They don't all have uh, smartphones to sit and hang out and play games with and do stuff. They're just bored. They're sitting around these CPS offices. They don't have anything to do. And so, obviously, those things would be a big need. Um, puzzles, uh, you know, not little kid puzzles, but adult-type puzzles. Sitting around for offices or hours in an office, you know, it'd be nice to have something to do, put a puzzle together. And then also activity books, crossword puzzles, uh, Sudoku, adult coloring books, um, journals to write in, things like that that can help them pass the time and be encouraged. So these are the kind of things we need. Just get stuff and bring it next Sunday. And then we're going to do a big delivery to them. If you've got stuff, hey, teenagers, if you're here and you've got stuff, you've got clothes that you don't need anymore, right? You're like, well, I'm tired of wearing that. They're not, right? They're trading outfits amongst each other just so they can have something different to wear. So bring some clothes, bring shoes that you don't like anymore, bring whatever the case, you know, old books that you have, things that you're like, man, I know a teenager would like this. And let's go ahead and bless them, right, and be a neighbor to them. Can we get on board of that? It's a good cause, a good thing. I think that God wants to bless people. Um, I know that we have a lot of people here that already give to the church and give to those things. Thank you for that. We, that's why we have a foster closet in the first place, right? So this is different. This is just focusing on a specific need and let's come together and be a blessing there. I would ask you this. If you give something, which I'm believing everyone here will, write a note with it. How an encouraging note. Just a note about, you know, the future, about blessing, about, you know, that they're seen, that you can care for them, that, hey, I know you might be going through a hard time, but, you know, we're praying for you. It could be simple, but just write something of encouragement so they receive it. They receive it knowing that people gave it with love, right? People cared. Amen? Father, we thank you for this uh, day, Lord, this national Love your neighbor day. God, we thank you, God, that you are the one who said to love our neighbor. And we pray, God, you'll help us to live it out. I pray 
as those in the church, God, go out this next week and find a way to love on their neighbor. God, that you'll give them just a real clear activity to do, Lord, that fits their abilities and that is a blessing to their neighbor. I pray for these kids, Lord, that are in foster care right now, living in CPS offices. God, we pray that you would find them homes. Lord, you, I pray that you'd move on people, Lord, in the church and in our community. God, that have space, Lord, to even look at fostering, Lord, and open their homes. I thank you for those who have already done that. God, we ask that you would bless these kids, Lord, that you would show your love and your care for them. Lord, as we pick up things for them and write notes, Lord, God, be in the words that we write. Lord, that even if they're simple, God, that they would still be divine. Lord, they would still speak volumes to the kids that read them. Lord, that they would know that they're seen and that they're loved. Lord, by us and also by you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, thanks for being here. We got food, snacks, and stuff over there. Stick around, make some friends, and uh, build some relationship. Thanks for being here. We love you guys.
the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.